3: What's up everyone, it's Noah Daniels and we're here for a special episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. First, I want to introduce our very special guest co-host, is Jillian. Jillian, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. Um, I believe by the time this airs, your interview will have aired. But you can check out Jillian's podcast at Thanks For Coming In podcast. It's a super rad podcast. Jillian, thanks for making yourself available for this interview.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me. You can't get rid of me now, huh?
3: I know, right? And speaking of special, guest uh this is somebody who is and we've had some really cool people on this podcast but this individual has kind of rose through the tiktok ranks and reading about her story was super fun and i don't know it's just uh, anytime you can blend genres with the supernatural it's really cool to see how the world kind of takes that in and and i'm just i can't wait to hear all about it uh mood thank you so much for coming on as bad mood rude on on socials and the music um, but yeah thanks for coming on real hauntings
1: Yay. yeah of course hang on oh god my sister's calling me can you get? <laughs> okay
3: bring her in too. come on
1: in it's a family affair now is it, it... hello <laughs> sorry
3: so yeah thanks for coming on so before we kind of dive into all the cool stuff you've got going on, we do love to find out where our guests fall, what we call the Believo meter. zero meaning ghosts are not real, 10, you absolutely, absolutely believe in the spirit world and ghosts, supernatural, where do you fall on that scale? Uh,
1: absolutely 10. I don't know who would say zero, that doesn't even make sense to me.
3: Well, I know you'd be surprised when we first started this podcast, our whole niche was that we were all bearing levels of skeptics of the supernatural, but we wanted to believe so it's kind of a fun way to jump in and we do have one co host his name is JJ when we started he was like a zero to one. But after doing so many of these interviews and we've had some crazy stuff just happen on the podcast, um, he's up to a five. <laughs> like, I'm all the oh. way over now. But, but for the hardcore skeptic, that was like a big moment when he admitted that. Yeah. But he, he did hear a ghost speak out loud in between him and his wife, who is also on the podcast, Kat. Well,
1: you'd think that would make him a ten.
3: I know. Right? Yeah, but that wasn't enough. He was like, "I have to see it. It's got to touch me." I'm like, "Okay." Oh, man. come like-
4: on! <laughs> I mean, I feel like if I heard somebody randomly just in my room, I'd be like, "Yeah, no, that's that's good. I'm good." <laughs> and um, hello,
1: hi. I've never yeah. heard one. Have
4: you ever heard one?
1: Yes, absolutely. Since <laughs> I was, little, I feel like it's easier to hear them than to see them. Like example, everyone like you hear footsteps and stuff. I feel like a lot of people hear them, and maybe they don't realize that that's what they're hearing.
3: I'm curious, Mood. So you grew up having supernatural experiences. Um, I think it was kind of encouraged um, within your family or it wasn't something that was shunned like a a, a lot of us experienced. When you started to really embrace that part of your life, what were some of the key moments with the supernatural that pushed you over to a 10?
1: I guess I've been a 10 since I was Forever, I've never not believed in them. <laughs> because my parents were very much about it, and uh, the house I grew up up in was haunted. And I saw the same little girl that my mom saw when she was little, and my mom was scared when I when I was little, and I would say she'd be like, "Oh, don't talk to her." But I always like it was never a bad experience, so I've always believed, and I've always been interested in it, and I've always communicated with them. And my parents never made me feel bad or weird about it because my mom had a lot of experiences. I mean, they Mm -hmm. weren't like me as far as using like divination tools and actively trying to speak to them. But both my parents had paranormal experiences and didn't think it was like evil or anything. I feel like that's why a lot of times people will say not to do it because they think it's evil or something. Right. But I obviously disagree.
4: Do you remember the first time that you saw or heard a ghost in your house?
1: I was really little. It was the little girl. And it was the time that my mom was like, well, don't play with her. And we were playing ball with each other. And her name was Sarah. And I know I sound insane to people, but I'm not making it up. I was like two.
3: And like in your mind's eye now, can you still see what Sarah looked like?
1: Yes. So when I first met Sarah, she looked like a white blob. And then it slowly evolved into like a little blonde hair girl with like a white dress on. It would have been from like, she looked like she was from the early 1900s, which would have made sense because the house I grew up in was, um, it was like the first house and it was a stone house on the street and the rest of the street used to be a farm. So it would make sense clothing wise. And I know I'm not crazy because my cousin who was the same age as me could also see Sarah and... I talked to Sarah until I was probably 10 or 11.
3: Wow.
1: That's interesting that it's like she slowly appeared
4: to you. Do you think that it was like a trust thing that she was trying to figure out a way to communicate with you?
1: Uh, Yeah, that maybe or my third eye was opening or something. I have no idea because I never had any issues interacting with her or speaking to her or anything. It was just visually what she looked Mm -hmm. like that kind of developed over
3: time. I know you said a lot of times you may hear the supernatural. When you have seen the supernatural, like Sarah, I mean, it sounds like it didn't really bother you. I only ask that because I've only had two instances where I've seen apparitions. One, I was like 11 or 12, playing hide and go seek, essentially tagged a ghost, ran <laughs> off scared, um, and a couple other people saw it. The other one, I was in recently in Vegas, rolled over, saw a little ghost boy, and then eventually saw his ghost dad non-threatening uh the first one was a little more threatening the second not threatening at all but still scared me like it, it wasn't something that I was like dying to repeat what do you think it is is it just that your parents maybe helped you develop a positive attitude or at least a non-threatening attitude towards the supernatural
1: so Sarah was different than other spirits I've interacted with because it I guess since I was so little it was like she was always there but like with my spirit dolls now and other spirits that i've seen it does startle me but it's because i don't see them all the time so when they show up obviously it's gonna scare you it's like if a person is standing behind a door and then all of a sudden steps out like that's gonna scare you no matter what so even if i know it's not anything bad when they appear when i do see them it still startles me it's Mm. not necessarily like terrifying it's just like oh my god because you're not expecting someone to be there um And another time that one like made me have a really bad feeling. Uh, I was walking my dog and this is how I know it was there because the dog was growling at it. It was very strange and I've tried to look up maybe one of you guys know like what this is because I asked people and they weren't really sure. I was walking in the woods and it was an apparition of an orangish brown person it was the shape of a person and they walked out of the woods we were in like this clearing they walked out of the woods and the dog was growling barking at it so I know it was there and then it turned around and disappeared and I was like why was it, it was a really weird color that was why I asked people like because mm. I've never seen an orangish brown one I still didn't really get an answer for it I've never seen it since but that one scared me
3: that almost sounds like a cryptid or something like a yeah it does or
1: I did not like it that was was the best
4: one (laughs) I want to know if you've ever had a period of your life where you've been like closed off from accepting spirits has you have you ever gone through a time where you just weren't accepting them
1: uh yes from probably a year after so my mom died when I was 16 probably a year after my mom died until I was 19 or 20. And that was just because I was in a really bad place mentally. And I will not interact with spirits or anything like that if I'm not in a good frame of mind. Um, Even if it's positive things like my ghost dolls, or even family that has gone on the other side, I won't try to interact with any because I don't want to put any bad energy out there and I don't want to be susceptible to anything if I'm not in a good frame of mind. So I would say, yeah, in my late teen years, I was not really actively communicating with anything.
3: And I know that um, you spoke about your dolls and I really found it fascinating. I, I was reading an interview you did. I can't remember the publication, but like I said, we've been doing this for about three years. And I feel like when we first started to pop a little bit was when the kind of haunted doll trend started to really kick off on TikTok, and yes.
1: um, and I've completely stopped doing my doll stuff. On yeah,
3: TikTok. And, and and I th- I thought it found it really interesting. Like, we won't go into specifics or particulars because I don't think it does any good for any of us. But you did mention that you felt like maybe there were some people being, you know, maybe a little less than uh, you know, being disingenuous yes. about like how they what were. I
1: And if you look, and I can't find her anywhere. If you look, I was the first person to post a Haunted Doll video. I'm not saying, oh, I know everything. But I was the first person to post a Haunted Doll video on TikTok. And then there was another girl. Her name was, it was Pastel something. It was like Pastel Ghoul. Past It was Pastel something. I wish I could find her. And she posted within a day of me doing it. So Mm -hmm. she definitely was gonna, she was gonna post what she posted anyway. And me and her were the ones doing it. And you could her doll's name was it was Haggy. And I wish I could find her. I don't know where she went. And she stopped at the same time I stopped because all of these fraudulent they you can tell they're fake. All of these fake spirit doll people started making videos of it. I don't know if that's why she stopped making the videos. That's why I stopped. I don't know where she went. I can't find her TikTok now. Um but it is disheartening because People, like, I don't know, they're getting false information or they'll go to adopt a spirit doll and they're expecting it to do all this stuff all the time or do things that they just won't do. I don't know. And it can be dangerous. People have different expectations or, or, I don't know, they just don't know what they're doing and it's because it's not their fault they're getting misinformation and they're trusting someone that has millions of followers. So...
3: Yeah, and it brings, it's really interesting because it brings in like a super young audience to the supernatural mm-hmm. a lot of times. Like you'll go to some of those accounts where that's kind of the backbone of their account. And, yeah. and they're ones that feel disingenuous that are setting up false expectations. But then you like, you look at the comments and it's clearly just like filled with like 13 year olds, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, You know, I don't know. I mean, that's a a conversation for another day. But what I do like to find out from people who seem to approach it like in a very honest fashion, you still have your dolls, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So what is it to set expectations to kind of get the truth out there regarding what you consider to be like a spirit doll, or people may call like a haunted doll? What is that relationship like between uh, you and the dolls?
1: So it's going to be different for each and every one, just like with any person. And I always say to just see the spirit dolls like their people. They all have different personalities. They all like different things. Like I have a playlist on my phone and it's got songs that each of them like. Some of them, like (laughs) my one Gina had to go move in with my aunt because every time it would play country music for a different doll I have named Abby, Uh, Gina would turn it off and turn off all the electronics and stuff. So Gina had to go live with my aunt. And because she wasn't getting along, she was bullying other people here. Well, people, spirits. So like like (laughs) I said, I have a playlist that has songs that they'll all like. um, And some of them are easier to get along with than others. Some like certain things other ones don't some of them like different divination tools so i'm like you don't want to get one that doesn't communicate in a way that you're going to be comfortable with like some only use ouija boards and if you don't want to use that then don't get one that would want to use that um and then like some of them can be very religious even though they're on the other side and i it's (laughs) i feel weird explaining it especially if there's someone listening who like doesn't believe in this stuff. They're like, oh God. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's uh, like, even with candles, like some like certain scents than others. Mm. I just say to treat it like a relationship with a person and not all of them are going to like you. You could get a doll that just does not vibe with you. Um, and that's, that is okay too. And I feel like that's something that people would take really personally if you're not getting along with a doll you adopted. Um, but I always, you know, I say my DMs and stuff are open if anyone ever had any questions about dolls and stuff, because I know I haven't been making videos about them.
4: How, how do you find your dolls that you adopt and, and who do you, who was your first one that you brought home?
1: So my first one was named Primrose and she's with my aunt too, because she doesn't like to be in a home with a lot of spirits. And obviously... Mm -hmm. I have a lot. So she lives with my aunt with Gina and my aunt has a lot of security footage of like the orbs and stuff in her house. And she was like, you know, she's like, I did not believe you that any of this was real until you give me the dolls. And now I have, it says I have motion and it keeps sending me photos of these orbs going through my room. She's like, I've had the same camera for years and I've never gotten it until you gave me the dolls. I was like, yeah, I told you. <laughs> So now Gina and Primrose are at my aunt's house. But anyway, I got Primrose, oh God, eight years ago. Um, And I found her on eBay, actually. Mm. I found her on eBay and she was cheap. That's, oh, this is another thing. People will resell quote unquote haunted dolls. And if they are really expensive, they are probably fake because you shouldn't you shouldn't be paying for the spirit that's in the doll you should be paying for whatever the value of the doll is because ethical people who are actually trying to find homes for the spirits and stuff are not going to be asking for hundreds and hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. just because it has a spirit attached to it and it doesn't even have to be a doll that's another thing is like you could die and get attached to your glasses you don't know and and you can get attached in different ways like I have one that's conjured, which is usually bad. You shouldn't do that, um, but she's fine. Because if people are like, oh, I'll do I'll do spells so I'll, I'm stuck to something. No, don't do that. And don't ask people to do that. And that goes back to, I think, when you said a lot of kids like are interested in it, <laughs> which is why it can be dangerous, because you don't want kids messing with that stuff um, if they don't know what they're doing. Anyway, so I got primrose from eBay, and I had her, just her for about a year. And this is... Like I said, I, throughout my whole life, I talked to other spirits. This is just when I started getting ones that were specifically attached to objects. And then I got a bunch right away, probably about a year after I had Primrose and I would find them at antique stores. Or if then, this is where I always tell people to go, there's Home to Spirits 16 on Instagram and then uh, Fugitive Cat Creations on Instagram. Uh, That is where I always tell people, especially new people who are getting uh, haunted objects to go to them, because they're both uh, reputable. I've had spirits from both of them that have been really wonderful and great additions to my life. And they're both really nice people. So that's where I always tell beginners and stuff to go, especially because obviously you could go to like Goodwill and find a haunted object. And I have done that. Um, But I don't recommend it because you don't know what you're bringing into your home, at least if you're going somewhere where it's someone rehoming one, they can give you a backstory, especially Mm. if you're and they can kind of tell you what to look out for how this one communicates kind of stuff that it likes and then the rest is up to you, but you have the foundation of how to take care of it.
3: Mm. And this may seem, you know, kind of like a dumb question. But when you say you're communicating with the spirits, I know you mentioned, you know, different tools that um, we may be aware of, such as like Ouija boards or things of that nature. Are you also hearing like their voices like in your mind's eye? Like, are you are you communicating in that way? Or how does that work?
1: So when you get to know them really well, and I feel like that it would be like, it's like. When you're talking to someone you're really close to and you ask them a question and they just they look at you and you know what they're thinking in their head, that's the best way I can describe how to know. Because people are like, how do I know if they're answering me? You'll just like, no. Like mm. my dad was not into this stuff. He, he never told me to stray away from it. He had paranormal experiences, but he's not trying to actively be part of it. And someone sent me this little fairy doll that they're trying to rehome. And so I have it at his house and it was on the counter and he's like, I felt like I was insane. He's like, I walked into the kitchen and the fairy told me she wanted to be on the windowsill. So I moved her onto the windowsill. (laughs) And and that's, it sounds crazy, but when, this is the other thing. I don't ever expect people to believe me, especially if they haven't experienced things, which is why I tell them how they can experience it themselves. Um, When it happens to you, like how you can't really deny something that's happening to you. Once you're communicating all the time with them, it's kind of like they're talking in your head. But I've also used pendulums, obviously Ouija boards.
0: As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify.com/realm.
1: My name is Jenny Owen Youngs, and I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time, podcasting about each and every
2: one. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at bufferingcast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
3: So you you had kind of this uh, rise on social media on TikTok with your haunted I hate to call it content because it's kind of your life that you were putting out for others to kind of see like this is what I'm experiencing but I mean it's what it is it's you know people devour it <laughs> so um so so that happens but on the on the other side of life you're also a musician you're yes. a talented singer and so you start putting your music out. Can you tell us what it was like to kind of have these kind of two parts of your life intersect in a way that, I mean, that had to be a really cool feeling when things started to pop off with that and you were able to represent kind of your supernatural side too.
1: Yes. So I actually made music a few years before I posted any haunted stuff. And the reason I started posting haunted stuff on TikTok was because I tried to post it on Instagram and the, the people on Instagram follow me for my music. And the people on TikTok follow me for my haunted stuff. <laughs> so when I was posting on Instagram, they kept reporting me because they were scared. And they're, then Instagram was giving me a warning. And they're like, well, we're going to take your account down if you keep getting reported. They're like, you're showing dangerous stuff. Because I, I was posting videos of, like, surveillance ghost things in my house. Hmm. I had a shadow man in my old house. That's a whole other story. But... I posted a video and people did not like it and it got reported and I didn't want my Instagram account taken down because it's how I showed all my music stuff. So I posted the TikTok and then that was it. It blew up right away, which I was, I was really grateful for. I did not expect it at all, especially because my only other experience with posting it was getting reported. So I didn't (laughs) right. (laughs) And then when I post started sharing my music, I remember there was one time Someone on TikTok was like, why does everyone who gets any kind of following on TikTok try to become a musician? And I was like, I've been a musician. I was already doing it. And then they said they were sorry. But I was very offended by that because I was like, I was doing music before I did this.
3: How dare you be a human? (laughs)
4: How dare you be multifaceted with several yeah. entrants? Oh my and God gosh. forbid
3: if you have ADD, because we want to do <laughs> yeah. everything all the time. That's, that's you know,
4: I want to ask you about, so your, your song, Cherry Soda Pop kind of went like viral on TikTok. You're we on the
3: same, same wavelength. <laughs>
1: yeah. we oh my God. That song could have been so much bigger. And what? so I used it in the background of a video of these people. I it, I was doing a vitiligo video. I was showing uh, that I have vitiligo and I cover it up either by not going in the sun or just by spray tan. And you mm-hmm. could see it a little bit in a video. So I just, I wasn't even thinking anything of it. I just made a video because there was a filter that made it so you could see it better. Oh my God. And then people were giving me so much hate and saying I was faking vitiligo and I was like, that's weird. Okay. And, but that video going viral um is what made people go listen to cherry soda pop and then a bunch of people were showing their vitiligo using the sound oh wow um, and then i switched distributors with cherry soda pop it it was on um it was on distro kid and i switched it to TuneCore. i think that's what i did and when i switched it all the videos that use the sound it it removed it so you couldn't see <sighs> um so if you go to that video it'll say like oh it doesn't have The sound and I was like, no, I didn't know that was gonna happen. It was, I thought it was gonna automatically link it, and that completely like stopped it, and I was very upset. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so sad. Yeah, that.
3: Wow. Yeah, that I, I had read that. I didn't know exactly what happened, but I had read the article. I read was just like, and then it disappeared. Next thing, (laughs) and I was like, wait, what do you mean it disappeared? (laughs) What
1: do you mean? it didn't actually it just changed so like the people now you'd have to search the sound and it won't let you use this like so if you clicked on one of the viral videos because i wasn't the only viral video that used that sound um with the vitiligo other people were using it and going viral but now if you click the sound it's like oh you can't use it or whatever it says in the corner
3: and i thought it was interesting also how you're a mental health advocate um, you know, you're you're not afraid to talk about that, which is something that we really try to be supportive of, in tune with on our podcast. Um, especially dealing with the supernatural. I feel like so many people that are like extreme skeptics always will push back on that part of it. Um, I mean, that's why I always openly talk about that I'm on Lexapro, I go to therapy. I just think more people should recognize those things so where people don't feel like it's unusual to go get help for mental health. Oh, yeah. You know, um, but I did. I So I, I saw that and, and I, d- I don't mean to be like tongue in cheek, but it kind of sounded like depression is your muse for when you're creating music. Can you tell us oh, about God. that?
1: Being sad is what drives me to do anything. <laughs> you and Taylor
3: Swift, right? Right.
1: So. I don't want to be sad anymore. So, you know, it's almost like, um, especially because when I am depressed or having. I got I got other things going on too but depression when it's making me so like I can't talk to my spirits and stuff because I won't I think that's dangerous like I said um you know getting it out in art form is a lot more healthy and you know I used to be on Wellbutrin and then I became allergic to it but that was the only one that ever helped me (laughs) you became allergic to it oh my gosh I was on it for five years and it was great. And then I started hallucinating and, and at the hospital, they said that it was the Wellbutrin. So no more. Now I just got a raw dog, the depression.
3: <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Whenever I say raw dog in it on the podcast with mental health stuff, people look at me like, what's wrong what with, you No <laughs> I feel it one now that I've heard you say that. Uh, um, well, your music is kick-ass. I will say that. Yeah, it was so fun. Like, you're you're a legitimate artist. Not that anybody's not, but you know what well, I mean. Thank- like, yeah, it's great. I definitely encourage. Uh, I'm sure a lot of our fans are aware of you. But um, if you haven't checked out Mood in a while, make sure you go and check out our music. I mean, there's so much awesome stuff there. Mm-hmm. I think and- the videos just in general that you post are really fascinating. Your style is fucking awesome. Oh, thank um, my- Speaking of, you are the second person I've now met that has um, vampire teeth. I don't even know if that's the way you say it, but yeah. uh, shout out to the Hex baby, Jules, who's become a friend of the show. But what was that process like, and how has that been for you having them in your mouth?
1: So that was another viral video made about getting my vampire teeth. And so that I just decided, I, I so I had sharp teeth. Canine teeth, fangs, whatever. And then I had braces. And when I got my braces off when I was 12, they filed them down so my teeth would all look straight across. Oh, make your mouth look nicer. And then I always just wanted them back. So I found a dentist near me that would do it. And then after that, here's the thing with the vampire teeth they normally break really easy because they don't grind your teeth down or anything. They're just putting some composite on the tips of your teeth. So they're, they're just kind of like sitting there anyway. So when the dentist did it, they kept breaking like every two months. And uh, so I was just like, I went to dental school when I was in my early twenties. So I was like, I'm just going to do it myself. And so I have like composite and etch and bond at home from like my dental stuff. And then I did it myself and they haven't broken in, like a year and a half okay wait pause you went to dental school too what yeah and then I dropped out because so my mom worked in the dental field and I realized I was just trying to be like her to feel better about and so I was like I'm not gonna do this because I was doing my um you know like shadowing and you go to different offices and see where you would want to work and when I was doing that a lot of the people in my area knew my mom because she had only died um a few years before that. And uh, whenever I would be like, oh, you look just like her, you act just like her, blah, blah. blah. And then it was just making me really sad. So that's hard.
3: Yeah, that's fair. And Mood, I don't know if I properly introduced Jillian to you, but she's been acting since she was eight. She's been in everything from (laughs) Spider-Man to The Soaps to Nickelodeon. She has (laughs) an awesome career. And Jillian, I was curious, have you ever been in any kind of vampire short or movie or TV show or anything like that?
1: Oh, gosh.
4: Yeah, I've done a couple different vampire things I did. There's an interactive horror show out here called Delusion. So it's like a 45 minute play, but it's all interactive. Played a vampire in that once. And I did a short film with my friend Dave, like, I don't know. 12 years ago where he was a vampire that was like sleeping with my mom and then like came in to saw that i was there and i was playing a teenager and like saw that i was there and like wanted me instead so then tried oh, to turn me into a vampire and then my mom got all upset and like uh, chained me to a a table and i'm like turning it was the weirdest thing uh was it dave the never... writer
3: for that one too <laughs> no uh.
4: no no um <laughs> No, and he uh, he and I were just hired as actors, you know, just normal audition oh, wow. process and whatnot. Um, but it never came out. Nothing like ever happened with it. I kind of wish it did because it is the most bizarre little short film, um, but quite fun, uh, quite fun to have blood in your hair and turning into a vampire. I love vampires, so I was very excited.
3: That's awesome. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the vampire genre as well. I Grew up thinking Blade was like the coolest movie I had ever seen. And, uh, you know, as an impressionable child watching things that you probably shouldn't, that's when things really stick.
4: Yeah,
3: <laughs> like I feel like when,
4: when everybody my age was watching Twilight, I was watching True Blood and I was like, I, I yes. screw with the cool vampires. Like, I know where <laughs> the cool vampires are. I'm like 15 watching HBO. Bad. Best
3: intro ever for True yeah. Blood. I can still hear that theme song in my head. Oh, I
4: know. So good.
3: Um, Not to divert too much. Uh, <laughs> so, Mood, as you kind of um continue through your career, obviously, like things are still trending up for you. It's um you're still putting music out your social media content is really awesome where do you want all this to go like what is kind of and I almost hate asking creatives this because it's (laughs) it's a tough question but like where do you like in five years where do you see yourself like where where what is like kind of the culmination of all this headed for you
1: so I actually just like a month ago (laughs) I've started releasing music under a new persona but you know it's faster than bad mood rude did you know I I hit a few thousand listeners in the first month with the new persona. Um, And Bad Mood Rude took a while to get a few thousand. So I was excited about that. Um, And I've just been working a lot on my new persona. And I forgot how expensive it is to like start over. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason that I started a new persona was just to not feel so much pressure with Bad Mood Rude. Um, I do have songs I'm working on with Mood Rude, um, that I'm going to be releasing in the next month or two, but I didn't, you know, it also, it can drain you to only make sad music, especially if you're not feeling sad anymore, but now you got to finish the song. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm just going to make like music. That's going to be more upbeat kind of, um, it's just like rap, like alternative rap, um, But it's been a lot. It's been a nice break because I've been focusing more on that, even though a lot of my followers are not part of that yet because I, you know, they just haven't heard it and stuff. But it's because I purposely wanted to, you know, take a month break from Bad Mood Rude, focus on something else. And now I'm just going to go back and forth. So in five years, hopefully I'll be doing the same thing. I've been making Bad Mood Rude stuff for five years.
3: Do you um, ever do live music or is it primarily just uh, digital releases?
1: Uh, It's all been digital. I've been offered a lot of like shows and festivals and tour things, Um, but I get very anxious and I'm also really close to my dad. I'm not joking. I hang out with my dad every single day and I live like a street away from him. So, and he's got a lot of health problems. So I I don't, I don't think I would want to leave for more than like two or three days. Hmm. Um, Like I said, I've been offered like one-offs and shows besides that. I just get really anxious about traveling because of my dad. And I don't want to, I don't want to only put it on him because maybe I wouldn't do it anyway. (laughs) But I get nervous.
4: Yeah. I just, I had one last question about your dolls and I, uh, you can tell me if I'm like totally off base, but I feel like maybe, um, the entertainment industry with movies like Annabelle and all that have created this like really not so healthy way of looking at objects that have spirits attached to them and maybe it's made it so that like the the fake people and it TikTok and all that have tried to like essentially be like the movie instead of uh, accepting these spirits for what they are and taking care of them they're just kind of like trying to uh what am i what the what's the word i'm looking for uh, exploit them and i wonder if you ever feel like people are being exploited
1: yes absolutely it's like with any spirit thing not even just the dolls what happy spirit movie is there they're all horror right. they're all scary um so that's why people are all freaked out about them and i don't blame them um but they're not all bad obviously and yeah i obviously i definitely feel like people are exploiting them which is why I stopped making my doll videos because I'm like the people who know know and they can just message me and I will answer any questions they have um, because it's very frustrating
3: for our fans that are going you know heading from this interview and going to check out your content where would you like to direct them so where they kind of get the best uh, representation of who you are what you represent and what you want to offer you know fans of yours
1: Well, if they're interested in ghost stuff, they can go look at my old TikToks because I do talk a lot about them in the old TikToks. And then on my Instagram, obviously, if anyone ever has any questions, I am more than welcoming to the questions like because I still I still do get a lot of DMs of people asking stuff about how my dolls are doing and like what they should do with ones that they're getting. So if they have any spirit questions, they can feel free to DM me.
3: Awesome, and where can they find your social media accounts?
1: Uh, I'm bad mood rude on everything. Easy.
3: <laughs> yeah, super easy. Um, and yeah, I can't recommend her content enough. It's it's. Uh, I was actually sitting down. With my wife the other night and I was like look at this like kick-ass person that's coming on the podcast and she just like spent like 15 minutes just going through like every video she's like I love her hair whoa this is really interesting and I was just like yep can I have my phone back please I gotta do research um <laughs> and Julian you are getting a project ready you're raising yeah. funds for something that is really awesome that I I know will come to fruition I just feel it yes. in my bones I can't wait to hear it can you tell our audience about that and how they can support it
4: Sure. Uh, It's a new fiction crime podcast called The Case Within. We're taking uh, true crime stories and fictionalizing them um, to honor victims. And it's based off of a character that I portrayed 10 years ago in a Canadian series called Clutch. We have a Seed&Spark campaign right now. We are at 71% as of right now. I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, we have a Seed&Spark campaign, or you can follow our Instagram at The Case Within.
3: Awesome. And where can our audience check out your podcast and all your great social media?
4: Yeah, I'm at Claire across the board. Uh, no, I and Claire. And then thanks for coming in podcast wherever
1: you get your podcasts.
3: I feel like we're getting a tour of Moods room right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, All my, my stuff's dying. So I'm like,
3: oh, <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, and <laughs> kind of a cool announcement for the Real Hauntings audience. We have really started to put the groundwork in. We're going to be doing a haunt uh, or a paranormal investigation in savannah it'll be our first God. time ever getting into that kind of side of the supernatural i there's gonna be some pretty if you listen to the show a lot you can probably guess who's going to be joining us there Bye bye. and uh, i guess her phone died um, so. <laughs> but yeah you can you can probably guess who will be going there but we'll have more announcements coming out we're probably going to want to try to do some kind of meet and greet because we are going to have um some pretty um awesome people and kind of that spooky world so be on the lookout for yeah. that but yeah um well i guess should we I think her, her
4: phone died
3: well we hate that we lost mood bad mood rude but i think her phone did die so with that i'm noah daniels
4: i'm jillian claire
2: what does feminism mean to you during women's history month come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of thread the needle a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.